Good afternoon and welcome everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. And this is the weirdest intro perhaps ever. As just as I sat in this chair and said hello to everybody, a massive cockroach just went across my computer. <laughs> and it's right to my left. <laughs> All right, Director Matthew, please come and kill this gigantic cockroach while I talk to the people. That is not my department. Oh, man. <laughs> the director is finding a weapon. I mean, right as I was about to say hello in accordance with the music, that's the Monday opening we get. There it is, buddy. Look at him. He's looking right at you. Yeah. Holy moly is right. That thing came. Ah, look at this. We got a runner. Watch your language. <laughs> the YouTubers just joined. They have no idea what's going on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. Watch. You got to be kidding me. What a way to start the show today. Thank you, Matthew. Oh, we got him? He got him. Nice. I think All he right. got him, or he's lying to me. Good job. <laughs> now that would be something. Good job with the no four-letter words. Good job. Holy, you would have freaked out. Oh, yeah, I don't do well with that. My father <laughs> was petrified of bugs as I was growing up because of his time in Nam. Like, that sounds like a joke. <laughs> it sounds That's like a big a jo- Lebowski joke. It is. Yeah. He said, I, Tom, I never had problems with bugs in my life. Then I got to Vietnam, and he said there was once a spider that was the size of his foot. And uh, he was on patrol in a tower, mm. night watch. Yeah, no. And uh, he and his buddy, they saw it. And so one of them hit it with the butt of their rifle, killed it, and it started moving again. He's like, nope, this is... Well, obviously this is, didn't kill it. He's like, the jungle is uh, no place if you don't like bugs. <laughs> yeah, so. man. No, no, no. I've, had, I've made those jokes before, and I'm not to belittle anybody's service in Vietnam, which is a big deal, and we, we can relate to that with... Uh, Family members, as we've talked about in the past, but I, what I would say to you, Tom, is that uh, I, I have said the same thing, that uh, the idea of, uh, yeah, being shot at, that's awful. Everybody knows inherently that's a, that's a terrible thing. But then, man, jungles? No, 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 no. Weird things out there. Hissing giant bird-eating spiders, for example. Right. No, yeah. no, no. So the house I grew up in in Clearwater was around a whole bunch of trees. So we had bugs galore oh, in the yeah. home. My dad do? didn't like them. I was raised in a setting where the the big man did not like the little bugs, so I don't do well with them either. That's what was handed down to me. All right, so let me get everybody in line with what the hell is going on. No, we did not begin the show in an effort to talk about bugs and our fear of them, but rather, uh, as I was, for the YouTube audience, uh, as I was getting ready to say good afternoon and welcome, a massive roach ran right across my keyboard that sits directly in front of me here for the computer. And you saw it. Did you see it? It's a, it was a big one. No. He saw it. Yeah. Director Matthew knows. It was big. It wasn't some little guy that you could just flick away. It was a monster. He's much tougher about these things. And even the look in his face, which was, yeah, that was, um, yeah. That was a problem. Little roach. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Matthew lived out there in the country for a long time. He's seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> He's been around. He's you been know? around. He's seen some things, you know? So, anyhow... Uh, I was trying to keep it together all the while, knowing it's my cue. I got to come in here. You've hit the music. I, we're at the point where I say welcome. I'm excited to be here. That I can say. I'm Jeff. That is Tom. That's Director Matthew. Thanks to all of you listening. What a what a busy and fun weekend. Uh, the draft was awesome in a lot of ways, and uh, and and what transpired there is interesting. Uh, the draft rating was the lowest it's been in a long time. I think I know the reason for that. No quarterbacks. Nobody cares about the quarterbacks, and that's always the sexiest position on the field. Of course, if we bring it back home locally here, 
If you're watching on Warchant TV, make sure you like and subscribe, and thanks for doing so. Uh, I think, again, you know, you saw Iris' column on Warchant.com, and certainly Seminole Nation has been talking about this very thing for some time. The draft. You may remember this, Tom. So, years and years ago, uh, prior to Coach Fisher getting here and the uptick in drafting high-quality players and talent that project down the line to be in the NFL, we, we, we talked and, you know, obviously – noted the the lost decade at the end of Bowden's career. And one of the things that I lamented as that was happening was we went from year in and year out a bevy of Florida State players that would be draft eligible and highly thought of going into the draft parties that we were having all those years ago. And so there was a good chance you were going to see you know, two or three, well, first rounders, certainly at least one, maybe two, second rounders, two and three guys. And we used to do this thing on warchant.com where we would project what round for each of the players. And we made a contest out of it. And you can go back and find those. One year I won it, another year somebody else did, I can't remember who. But I used to take great pride and be like, listen, our fan base, all fan bases, tend to overblow the relative skill set or projected talent to the next level of of their favorite football team's players. So if you're an Alabama fan, you do it. If you're a Georgia fan, you do it. If you're a Clemson fan, you do it. If you're a Florida State, if you're a fan, you do it. If your team's got five, seven guys they say are going to go in the draft, if you ask diehard fans, they always have those guys typically, unless it's a slam dunk and everybody knows, they'll have those guys rated in their own straw poll top 10 when they're projected to go 25th. They'll have them, you know, second round when they're projected to go early third. That kind of thing. So you could always count on diehard fans elevating where they think their favorite players are going to go and in what spot, right? Now think about that discussion. Think about having to differentiate between player A, player B, player C, D, E, F, G, H, I. Imagine that. And then falling off a cliff and hoping you had a player or two taken. Then having Jimbo come in, seeing the uptick, huge uptick in talent in a relatively short period of time to the point where you thought there's a good chance they're going to have multiple first-rounders to the point where they're going to have the first pick in the draft to the point where you could go, I don't know, Florida State in the next two years could have 22 guys taken to the league in some capacity, either drafted or being offered an undrafted free agent contract, something along those lines. To where we are now, to where we are now, where you're like, yeah, we got a guy, but he's not really even our guy. Now, we adopted him, loved him, and will forever love him and appreciate what he did. But Jermaine Johnson certainly wasn't recruited by Florida State, wasn't a guy that was brought in and developed over time to where his final season becomes what we just witnessed, where he's the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, and he goes in the first round. I mean, we get some credit for it. Certainly he was wearing the spear. We saw it, the garnet and gold on Saturdays, and we'll forever hold him on high for doing so. But it's not like it was, is my point. And so it's hard for me when I watch the draft as a diehard knoll, like just stepping away, removing all objectivity to some degree, and just watching what took place and realizing, 
man, I know because I talk about it all the time that there's a dearth of talent here, that we're not. And as somebody who's been privileged enough to have begun covering this team, let alone going to games all the way back into the early 80s, but, but to be in this chosen profession, to be able to have gone out to practices when Bowden was there and watched those full-contact scrimmages and practices unencumbered all the way through the late 90s into the 2000s and having watched all of these teams through the ages, the ones that sat atop the college football world and those that fell on hard times. I have a way in which to compare, when you're standing on a sideline, what an elite-level athlete at Florida State's level, that is to say national championship level, looks like, and what they don't, what they don't. And when we go out, they're not, not, that's not just me, lots of people, former players, obviously, anybody else who's been in the media a long time, there's a lot of old heads around here. But it's just, it's, it leaves your mouth agape when you go out there sometimes, even now. And you're like, okay, okay. And Iris said something in his piece where I think this is the hard part. You have to tell yourself when you're out there, you, me, everybody, you have to remind yourself of this. And this is, this is multifaceted. So people used to get mad when I'd say, yeah, he's not any good. I, use, I know that's not proper English. It's a fun phrase, turn of phrase. Yeah, he's not any good. I would say that about certain guys, right? Yeah, he's not any good. And they'd be like, what the? He's a starter in a Power 5 conference who led the team in tackles last year. Like, it's relative, man. It's all relative. Every guy that makes it to the NFL, every guy that makes it to the NBA, is elite at playing football, playing basketball, respectively. Now, within that group, are they elite? If you're the 57th-ranked golfer in the world, you're truly better than 99-point-whatever percent of the people who ever pick up a golf club in their life. You are. But you're 57th out there on tour. I'm not thinking much about you. You're not a perennial top 10 guy. You're not going to win the FedEx Cup race or many tournaments, period. You're a guy who makes a cut. And, by the way, relative as it is, if I bring your hometown and I know you, I'm, I'm like, oh, my God, my man made the PGA Tour. That's incredible. That's how good that guy is. Compared to John Rahm, you're a bum. So that's how that works. It's all relative, right? All right. When we look out at Florida State's practices and we see guys that have been good players for us. Yeah, that's for us. And we've been terrible lately. So what's hard to do when you watch these guys and we see somebody emerge as a better player on this team, what's hard is that you have to say to yourself, well, he may be the best player at this segment group for Florida State. And then you remind yourself, Florida State who went 5-7 and seven last year. Florida State who hasn't had winning records and gone to bowls in a handful of years. Florida State who doesn't compete for the ACC title, the Atlantic title, let alone the conference title. They don't do any of those. So he's our best player. And we've done this a lot with guys. Now, we knew Jermaine was going to get drafted. But again, Jermaine's kind of a hybrid Florida State guy. He's not really a Florida State guy. He is and he isn't. It's hurtful, man. It's painful to say these guys are the best of what we are, and what we are isn't good enough to even have a single player outside of Jermaine Johnson get drafted through seven rounds of the NFL draft. Seven rounds. Do you know how many guys go in a draft? Go back and look at those totals when they're like, and pick number 141. One, and we still aren't talking about a Florida State guy capable of getting drafted? Fifth round, sixth round. You know, it's brutal. And that is the stark reality of where this program has fallen to. 
I know Texas didn't get anybody drafted. Well, guess what? Texas sucks too. Texas has been terrible for a long time. They're firing coaches left and right, just like us. They're not any good. Now, you can scratch your head and wonder how that's even possible, because I do. I don't know how the hell you could have Texas's resources, traditions, money, and all of that, and still not have a player draft. That's crazy to me, but they didn't. And they're an unmitigated disaster. They have been. They're on the come up, so they think, or they're hoping. Just like us. Just like us. But it's brutal to sit there and watch. And I like the draft, just like you do. And we watch a lot of it. Probably a lot more of it than we should. I'm watching mid-afternoon on a Saturday, just like, yep, you got me. I'm watching. I'm going to see who the hell this Central Michigan kid is. I want to know. It's hurtful to think that you could go through an entirety of one of those things and have one guy taken, and he was a transfer. It's, it's just, that tells you how far you have to go. Now, that I don't say all of this to say there's no hope. I say it is relative to what we've been an obvious statement of futility, that we have not brought these players in, have not been able to sustain, develop, and produce pro talent, and it reflects in our record and our lack of success. Now, conversely, we look at juggernauts and we think, huh, Georgia, whom we have to recruit against, even though we're not in the same conference, but it's the state right there, had 15 players taken. 15! And the you could say 16, because Jermaine Johnson left them to come here. It's insane. 15, that's what you're up against. That's the kind of recruiting juggernaut you've got to compete with. And then when you confront the NIL and transfer portal realities of today, it really is tough not to find yourself crestfallen. It's tough not to find yourself a little bit under the weather when it comes to your football prognosis. Because you're thinking, 15? Jesus, man. Alabama and schools like that, not 15, but close, on the regular, on the regular. And then we start talking about, well, okay, what Clemson do each of the last five years? Add that total up, and then look at our total. <laughs> woo, woo, that's a toughie. Pack it up, time to go home. So it's, it's, it's just a stark reminder that it is sort of a, uh, a mountainous climb, a very difficult and arduous task to get back to anything resembling those aforementioned practices that I used to stand on the sidelines for, those teams that we all know and love, those runs of Florida State success that we all are aware of historically. It's a long journey to get back to that when you just got done watching the draft and saw exactly one guy go and he was a transfer who was here for one year. Marcus writes, I met Jermaine Johnson on a plane last night. I thanked him profusely and congratulated him. The good news is he was very kind thankful and appreciative. Thanks for the content, fellas. Thank you, Marcus, for the contribution and for your comments. Here's the thing. I know we got to go to break. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely, that is true of Jermaine Johnson, and I am 100% not at all surprised to hear you say that he was kind and that he was uh, friendly and that he was all those things. Jermaine is awesome. We love Jermaine, and we will cloak him in the garnet and gold forevermore despite just a one-year effort because it was a hell of an effort. And it, it did a lot to help us get to 5-7. and seven. It did a lot to help us get to 5-7. and seven. Without him, without Jermaine Johnson, what are you staring at? 
I mean, you very well are staring at four and eight, three and nine. So he's worth a win. That's his war, at least. So then when you go through the exercise and you say, how much better can Florida State be this year? Remember what you're doing. Remember that you're, in essence, taking a team. Because the converse is, converse is true, too. You could argue, well, they should have won this game, this game, this game. They could have very well been an eight-win team. All right, if, that's, if you want to feel better and say that. They could have lost a lot of those wins, too, that they won. All right? Yeah, the thing you'd say is um, two years ago, three years ago, they're non-competitive in a lot more games. This past year, they were competitive Very. in a hell of a lot more football games. Yeah. And they figured to be, once again, this upcoming season. Win more games, competitive in more games. It's just a, it's just a reminder. It'll straighten you up, as they say. You know, th- it's a reminder of where you got to go and how far you've got to go. That That team had one player get drafted and finished 5-7, and seven, and we are all expecting that they are going to be appreciably better, as I like to say, this upcoming year. Is that realistic, given how few players they have that are of the caliber of players that even get a look in the NFL over these last two seasons? Compared to, say, I don't know, Georgia that has 15 players get drafted. I mean, damn it, man. That's insane. Now, I think Mike Norvell's a good coach. There are other members of this coaching staff that I also think highly of. Some not, but many that I do. And they do show the ability to evaluate. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt McCall and Thomas and guys like that are NFL-bound, knock on wood, they stay healthy and continue to develop on the path that they're on. Those guys are going to the league. Florida State's going to start putting people into the league. They've got some dudes now. They've got a few guys that I think are no doubt going to the league starting next year and the year after and the year after. I think we see that. They're upwardly mobile. That's the plus side of this. This isn't just an exercise in futility. It is a reminder that they are getting there. There are more guys that look the part. There are more guys that you say, okay, he looks more like Jermaine Johnson looked. That guy's starting to look like guys that used to play on teams that were prolifically good around here. He looks like he'd fit in there. Good. We have, we have more of those guys. But, boy, we need a lot more. And it's transfer portal time. I'd invite you guys to watch if you didn't watch the smash last night. Michael came on. Michael Langston came on at Warchant.com and addressed the portal, addressed some of the targets, some of the things that he thinks is going to happen in the next few days. Uh, I'm excited about that. Go back and watch that. It was me, Aslan, and Michael. It was a lot of fun. Thanks to all of you who did watch it. If you haven't, go back and catch up on it. It was, it was good good talk. Uh, we're going to be doing more things in the coming days uh, about um, – Transfer portal and NIL and stuff like that that's omnipresent on the minds of college football fans, in particular Florida State fans. I, I get it. Uh, and then also, uh, I know Corey's conversation is coming soon, uh, maybe tomorrow, in fact, uh, that he had with Norvell. And Norvell is, has been a realist during this whole thing, too. That's, uh, that I appreciate. He's never, he's never promised pie-in-the-sky nonsense to guys, and he's never pretended that they were something that they're not. He just knows where they've got to get to. And time is of the essence. And that was brought up last night as well. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every 
time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Jeff Cameron, show 93, three Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. So it is kind of fun to, to go back through these um, and, and talk a little bit about where the program's at. By the way, it lost and all that. Perhaps I did not properly, and I should. Uh, congratulate, obviously, Jermaine Johnson uh, for, for getting drafted in the first round. And I think, ironically, a little bit of what we talk about on, on Friday – uh, he ends up in a pretty good situation. Well, first of all, there's two ways to look at that situation. One is a young man gets to fulfill a dream and is drafted in the first round on Thursday night. The other is he goes to the Jets. But to counter that, being a multimillionaire at that age in New York City, wouldn't suck. And finally, the Jets got it right in the draft. I mean, one after the other, and they carried it over to day two. They may very well, well, they are certainly in the conversation, a team that had the best draft on paper. We'll see how it plays out. Obviously, you never know the future with guys and injuries and systems and all of that. But, man, it certainly looks like an upwardly mobile group. Of course, the quarterback's got to be able to play. So that's the biggest thing. All those guys that they got that you like, especially the defensive players, you say, okay. But if the quarterback can't play, it won't matter. So obviously Wilson's got to take the next step. It's an interesting division, though. You know, for a long that's time, a that, division. that division was it was the Patriots and everybody else is going to go 7-9 and nine or 6-10, and 10 and that's the end of it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you ask the question, who is the second best team in that division, you've got a compelling debate. Because Buffalo is still the class of the AFC East, and until further notice, they're the most complete team. But the rest of them could all finish with 10 wins. They all could. Or they could all finish with 5 wins. Mm -hmm. Equal opportunity for all three of those particular football franchises. It's going to be interesting. The AFC East is now competitive. The West is the crazy division. But the East is finally, I think, worthy of the media coverage it's going to get. Because they usually are covered way too much. So... I saw where uh, Rick noted uh, that his takeaway from what I was saying was that we need five stars to win games. No, I want to win a national championship again. I'm always wanting to win a national championship, and clearly for Georgia and Alabama to win national championships, and Clemson, who also did. Yeah, they had to have five stars. That's who wins national championships, people who have five-star players just about everywhere, including the 2013 team and for Florida State. So, yeah, I'm looking at national championships. Can Florida State get to six, seven, eight wins without five-star players? Absolutely, and they should, and that's why this year is of vital importance. Um, when you begin, after you get done resetting, constantly resetting, uh, and you find some stability, and you flip the locker room and remove the toxicity, and you get everybody pulling in the same direction, and you begin to develop some semblance of quality depth, then you begin to have an opportunity to win six, seven, eight games and go to a bowl. So, yeah, that's where Florida State is aiming. I think ultimately what we're saying is that for Florida State to get back to winning national championships, plural, they have three of them in their elite history, they're going to need five-star players. And right now, they're not getting those guys on the regular. Georgia is. They're getting all of them. (laughs) The others go to Alabama and Ohio State. So 
you and soon to be USC, by the way, for the not too distant future and for a very long period of time, so long as it's the wild, wild west as it is now, and you can pay, I don't know, a receiver on another roster, uh, two, three million dollars to come out to Los Angeles. We'll put you up on the beach. Good times. Great. This is great. Good for Pitt to have watched that happen. I mean, can you imagine you lose the best, arguably the best receiver in the country to the transfer portal and you got no shot? What are you going to do? I mean, Lincoln Riley calls and says, here's a couple mil. We want to win. Your quarterback just went in the first round. You don't have the same guy throwing you the ball. Come on out here, baby. We'll take care of you. He's going to go. You can't keep him from going. This is a weird time, man. It's a fragile time. I don't know what you can do as a – so let's bring it back to Florida State for a second. This was the fear. This, this is our concern, dude. So if Zaria Thomas – becomes what we think he'll become you're pretty well screwed right now well that that would be the point i'd bring up that if you're an nil organization you have to withhold some of your budget not for next year but for later this for year. your roster yeah for the current roster you always have to have a fund an emergency fund and i wonder you know in the in the ball game of where does it end in the grand scheme of where does it end will you ever see an in-season holdout Will oh, that ever be a thing? Yeah. I mean, you kind of already are beginning week in, to see this. The bye week in week seven, you know, you had a great six weeks because your starter went down. This guy comes in. He's a better football player. Yeah, I'm going to want some more money to play out the right. rest of the year when we come back from or, the bye. I'm just going to sit and go somewhere else because yeah. I get a free transfer. So, your call. Correct. So, is that where we're going? Is that gonna, You think that's going to be a part of the discussion? Oh, yes. I, I think so, given that we just got done talking uh, about Isaiah Wong, who's holding his current basketball program, a nothing basketball program that nobody cares about, hostage. <laughs> well, and then backing off because his bluff was called. Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm saying wait till a guy at a place where they do care decides to do the same thing. Right. <laughs> Isaiah did it in between seasons. Yeah. I'm just wondering if you uh, think it's possible that it happens sure. within a season. Sure. Yes, I do. I think it's entirely possible. I think that until a certain set of parameters are agreed upon or there's an actual functioning body that governs NCAA football or, or just NCAA sports in general, until that happens, until because the NCAA crossed their arms and pouted and never got out in front of anything, mismanaged the whole situation despite being told repeatedly, this is what's coming down the tracks, man. This is what's coming down the tracks. Get out in front of it. Control it set up some rules, and we'll move from here. We'll operate from here where there is a system with agreed-upon parameters. But there isn't now. So until there is, and we're dealing with, like you point out all the time, this is the market. This is There's going to be upheaval. 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 In mass. And unless you're a part of the haves, that is to say you are already positioned in a place of strength with, in some cases, a mega booster who cares more than they should or a third-party entity that has limitless funds or Hollywood's in your backyard, then you're in trouble. You're in trouble. So this couldn't have happened at a worse time for Florida State in a lot of ways. To be behind the dumpster, on your knees, no longer meaning sick no longer capable of doling out the ass-kickings on the regular and holding aloft the dominance that you once possessed, you're forgotten about, passed over. And now you're scrambling. 
And there are groups that have, you know, we talk about Rising Spear all the time, and I'm, we're all grateful as Knowles that they're in place now. But let's be real. We're still not in the same position that a reconfigured USC is in, an already dominant, powerful, deep Alabama is in. Georgia is clearly, I mean, look, Kirby walked in from Alabama, understood the game and the system, got the people in Georgia to stop doing the dumb stuff that they did for years, which is getting people arrested for jaywalking locally and nonsense. Like Mark Rick's like, really? Really? That's what we're going to do around here? I'm going to have overzealous cops arrest my starting wide receiver for jaywalking on a Friday night after a few beers. That You guys want to win or not? You want to win or not? So Kirby gets in and says, that those days are over, everybody. And by the way, here's what else is going to happen. Let's go. This is how it works at Bama. This is what we do. So in the interim, they make it, they make it happen. They get guys. They start stockpiling guys. Great class, great class, great class. And then lo and behold, after they've done all of that under-the-table stuff, now it becomes above board. Now it's like, oh, you can do it. You can do it. Well, they're already set. The question is... Let's just say that you had some sort of regulation with, um, call it 80, 80 scholarships for ease. You know, uh, 10, 10 slots or 10 players to a slot, 8 slots on a team. And so you could pay the, your top 10 players that you choose to be in the top slot X amount of dollars, then the next slot Y amount of dollars, whatever it is. And you regulate how much money each slotting group is paid. So basically it becomes a, a professional sport in which there's a cap on how much you can spend on the roster, it still doesn't solve the problem. Because you're still going to have a booster who wants to pay the kid mm-hmm. an extra five hundred grand on the side beyond what the university is going to declare that they're paying the kids. Like my, my point is, I don't know the way out when a booster at an organization like an A&M or, or a Georgia or wherever, wherever, the haves, are always going to be able to provide six-figure checks at minimum on top of whatever the regulated price for a player will be, whatever the regulated salary for a player will be. Unionization, I don't think that solves it either. You would have to make it like a federal crime for somebody to pay a player who is already being paid by a university in order to stop well, a booster it, or a rogue organization yeah. from doing exactly what they're doing right now. I don't know the way out of this. All of this does initially at least, presuppose that there are some rules being considered to be put down and laid in place, right? None of that is happening. Correct, yes. So none of that is happening right now. And it's a question of when, not if. It will happen. But when? When is a kind of important deal here? When? Next year? Year after? Three years from now? Four years from now? Uh, (laughs) It's a collective failure. It's not just on the NCAA. It's also on the coaches like a Nick Saban. He's partly to blame. In fact, he's largely to blame. Because that's somebody who has a, a powerful enough voice to do something about it who says, you know what, this is going to work out better for me, so let's continue to do what we're going to do over here. But what he said most recently, and if you just go by his words, is, you know, like, look, this isn't sustainable, and we all know this. I don't know that anybody's coming to save the day, so I'm not going to sit around and lose. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to win, which you cannot blame him at that point. Like, hey, guys, this is not good for college football. This isn't good long-term for the sport we all love. This isn't good for the health of the game that we're trying to grow and forever prosper and be successful with. Hey, but guess what? I'm not going to lose. So you guys can suck it. Here's what's going to happen. Well, what's interesting, though, is there was an opportunity a year or two ago before this all started, because the coaches saw this coming. They did. They knew. For them to collect the power, they could have. They could have become more powerful than the conference commissioners. I just don't know how you – 
you're going to blame any one coach for. I mean, what, what, no, what I'm saying is everybody has a hand in this. You know, we're saying, man, you're, you're letting Nick but, Saban benefit from this. Well, yeah, you know, he could have been a voice in the room that said, for the good of the sport that I love, yeah, let's regulate this thing before it goes too far. We want Nick Saban to decide, despite winning a championship or playing for one every year for eons to come, to step up and say, I'll. Step in where nobody else will and change the sport for the better. He, well, he's already won 80 bajillion titles. But I'm saying you're just relying on benevolence there as opposed to, look, they had a ruling body. They all The university presidents yeah. agreed to a ruling body. This, that, the NCAA is these universities. But they already had changed it to group of five makes their own rules. Or, sorry, power five makes their own rules. That had happened four or five years ago where there was a different ruling provision, that the rest of Division One doesn't abide by the same rules as these conferences and listen, I'm not saying that you know Nick Saban has more of a hand in it than a conference commissioner. No, no, or and certainly not Mark Emmert, right. who announced that he's going to be retiring like 13 months later. Which is that dude is a criminal. The amount of money he's taken for the lack of work he's done. Sure, but I think everybody's got a hand in this thing. If you're involved at that high of a level, you could have done something. And the- certainly at this point, it's still not too late. You could be the bigger person in the room and try to start the change, but. Nobody well, wants to do it right now. Nobody wants to be the first to really get the ball rolling. Well, I mean, look, in a weird way, um, he's got shareholders. I mean, he has to answer to people. How He's not going to take that money and then do something that gets his team, his program, uh, beaten and put in a lesser tier. He's not going to do that. No, but none of them would, and I don't blame them for that. They, I blame Mark Emmert. I blame the NCAA. I blame – they were told years ago, man, this is what's coming down. You can go all the way back to the first – Court cases with EA Sports and all the things that happened there, they were they were given not-so-subtle hints that what they were running was, in essence, illegal. Yeah, my whole point is, guys like Nick, and, and this is where I grouped them together with Dabo, they love to tell you how the world should be. And then they actually have a platform to help formulate that world and still empower a player and get a player money, which I'm all for, never have not been for. And yet, when the time comes, and they could be a really important voice in the room, they let it go. And then they get to complain about it like a Monday morning quarterback that they hate on sports talk media or right. But I on think, a website, they become the same thing that they loathe. Yeah, they certainly. It is an empty gesture to rail against it and do nothing about it. I hear you there, but th- th- it's better than having never said anything in advance at all. They are asked the question for which they respond. They don't just volunteer it. Sometimes they well, do. some, but you know, Nick has an agenda like every other Thursday when he. But I'm saying every time a guy goes to the dais, which he's required to do, and answers questions to the assembled press, he gets asked the question, which allows him the launching platform to go on the diatribe that Jimbo and everybody else used to go on. Right. But what I'm saying is that those guys, some of which uh, in the group I just named, did come out and say, "We're heading down the wrong path here, guys. Somebody's going to have to get out in front of this." I think they presumed that university presidents, athletic directors, and the NCAA would have been that somebody, yeah. because in theory, those are their bosses. Should be, but it's the TV networks that are the true bosses, especially in college football, specifically yes, college yes. football. Because if you think about how the money is allocated, it is more about the networks than it is the institutions. Now, in basketball and other sports. Conferences mm-hmm. kind of rule the way a little bit differently, but that's why the payout structure and the bowl structure is a little bit different. Everybody's got a hand in this. Is my point. I'm not saying that Nick has the biggest hand in it. I'm just saying well, that you know everybody kind of saw this car crash coming, and if they stood to benefit from the car crash, they let the crash happen. I think down the uh, well. Now here we are. It, as with everything, it's it's reactionary. But you do now have to do something. And the problem here is usually when we get this far out over our skis. And, and here I'll go 
collectively as a society or whatever it might be. Whatever you want to talk about, what laws, what is and what oh, is and not. They love to do that. Okay, okay. All right. So here, here's the deal. Whenever this happens where we finally reach a breaking point, a tipping point where change is imminent, where people begin to realize, yeah, you know, I thought one way and now I see it's just not going to happen. People aren't going to rein themselves in. Nobody's going to take the reins and do the right thing. I had hoped to rely on the better angels of our nature, but they don't exist. Greed's going to win the day, so maybe we now have to enact something, right? Whenever that happens, you usually have a clearly defined group that are the overlords of that thing, right? That are tasked with the responsibility of pulling on the big boy pants and sitting down at a table with one another and going, hey, well, we all concede this is not what we had in mind and that we have to do something about it. The problem you have now is that's not true. There's who? Who is going to do? Who are they turning to? Yeah, there's only. The SEC already told everybody this. Get you some. We're just going to come take your teams. There's nothing you can do about it. Do something. Nobody did, and they won't. The only group that can is the one that's ultimately going to do this to me, and it's the television networks. Because fan interest is going to wane. Of it course. already has started. Fan right. interest is going to wane in the sport, so the money they're paying these conferences is going to be so far above what the ROI is in terms of viewership. Live sports is the only thing left on television, like the one that you plug right. into the wall, right. not the one that goes over the air through Wi-Fi. Live sports is the only appointment viewing left in the country. So if you lose viewership on live sports, you got nothing. So the TV execs are going to have to be the ones to protect their own financial interest. This is where the market's going to protect itself, and they're going to say, the hell with you guys. You, you really want this to be a four-team sport? It already is, but you really, really well, want this to be a four-team sport in the best interest of our dollars? We're either going to cut your contract or we're going to have to reorganize here. I think that's where the TV networks probably come in and save the day, even though they're not exactly the good guys either. So I'm not saying that I want any one group, Guns 287, <laughs> to be the authoritarian here. I'm saying that there is no governing body in 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 regards to the NCAA or well in this case specifically football, boy Azaria Thomas made some big plays for Florida State in Week One. It's amazing that he's playing against them now in Week Seven <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for Clemson. Like that's that's is that where this is going to go? My point my point is for example when you end up having a situation like like a league when you're operating a league we bring this up all the time. So baseball Major League Baseball is a trust. So. People like George Steinbrenner and others, but Steinbrenner in particular in the largest media market in the world, New York City, which has a distinct advantage over everybody else, really was for telling the world to kiss off and pound sand and that his payroll could be whatever he wanted it to be. $500 million. I'll go get every one of the good players that exist in the world. Your good player, that good player, Korea's good player, Japan's good player. I'll bring them all in because money is of no consequence to me here in the largest market in the world. And Major League Baseball went, yeah, no, that's not going to work. Because the Yankees, and I say it all the time, can't play the Yankees. They have to play Kansas City and Baltimore and Chicago and Boston and Tampa Bay and all these other So we can have an effing league. So that we can have a league that's worth watching. Not just a traveling carnival of great players kicking ass against no-name bums throwing underhand because they've all been gobbled up by the Yankees. So... This is what happens. You have to be able to have a league. 
<laughs> they don't have anything right now that can dissuade this, what we're seeing. What we're, you know, like, if you think of conference commissioners, you think of the SEC, you think of the power brokers, they're not backing down. They're not going to change their behavior. And they shouldn't. They might as well just keep grabbing. Do it. If we were in that league, we'd be like, all right, well, more money for us. Well, I'll get more quiet if they come poach us. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> But I think it's the TV networks that have to work together here because, again, they're the ones. The NFL is worth it to ESPN. They pay ridiculous amounts of money to air NFL games. Now they're going to get in the Super Bowl rotation, but it's for the highlight packages on SportsCenter that they pay most of that money to the NFL. Yes, It's worth it. It's worth it to the channel for them to do that. College football is not going to be worth anything compared to what Fox is paying or CBS used to pay or ESPN is currently going to pay if this continues down this path because people are going to say the hell with it. The hell with it. Well, there's good news for college football in that regards, Tom, because if I'm going to argue the other side, and we'll be here for hours if we do this, uh, I would tell you that now that Southern Cal has decided to put on their big boy pants and they have access to gazillions of dollars and, of course, a media market similar to New York City, to say the least, they're going to be good. They're going to be really good. They're going to be elite. Going to be Reggie Bush all over again. They're going to be great. I got no problem with that. Whatever. Point is, they're going to be. They could decided- we interest you in the SEC West? <laughs> they're going to get a phone call very soon. So Southern Cal is going to be that. So you talk about regionalization of the sport and how it's bad for the sport and how it's been whittled down to a bunch of teams in the South and that's it. it, it that's it. Besides Ohio State, right? Okay, and that being bad for the overall eyes on sets value of the sport. Well, USC is about to be good. I got to imagine this brave new world that Texas isn't going to go another draft without having a player taken. (laughs) I'm going to guess. I mean, they've got a ton of oil money. They got money for days. What are we doing, Teos? Um, They've had a path to the title akin to Florida State for a long time. Oklahoma was in the way, but FSU had to get through Clemson 10 years ago. They had a very similar path. It's Oklahoma and Texas, and it's been dominant Oklahoma for a long time. Much to the chagrin of all things Longhorns, right? But here's the deal. They, there's no excuse. They ought to be doing what you're seeing Georgia do. You're Texas. Tons of talent right there. Get them. Pay them. Get them in there. Let's go. Now, I don't want to see Texas win because I want to see Florida State win. And all the good players that go to Texas could be going to Florida State. That's the way I view it. But you will see it start to spread out a little bit, and that is the counter, right? Southern Cal is going to be good. We know Ohio State's going to be good. Now you get Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, all good. I know you could say, well, but Texas and Oklahoma are in the SEC. Yeah, but but location-wise, in terms of regional where they are, they're not in the southeast. So there's that. You just need a couple of other teams. Yeah, then you have your A-team league, and then that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. So there is evidence that the NCAA exists. The Nebraska football program violated NCAA rules for countable coaches, and the football head coach violated head coach responsibility rules according to an agreement released by the Division I Committee on Infractions. It exists! The university, the head football coach, and the NCAA enforced uh, staff agreed that a former football coach team analyst provided technical or tactical instruction. Now, it did them no earthly good. That is not pointed out here, but clearly it did them no good that the analyst was helping. And I blame Martinez. 
because he was, again, the quarterback at Nebraska last year, and all the tutelage in the world could not save this forever-gone football program as long as Martinez is at the helm. Is he back again this year? My God, he can't be. He's 50. He's been sucking for 30 years. I mean, I, <laughs> so says a Nebraska fan at a local watering hole when the question is pondered by the bartender at 1 a.m. He can't be. I can't live another year in a world in which Martinez is our starting quarterback. Uh, he went to Kansas State, transferred to K-State. So anyhow, they get a little probation for a year, $10,000 fine, all that other stuff. Got to get better at it. I'd be violating every last one of these rules on the daily. They're useless. Violate them all while we can. While it's the wild, wild west, you have to act accordingly. Start wiling. Shoot first. <laughs> Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with.